Okay, okay. It's like the first service, y'all freaking me out. Sit down. All right. <clears throat> so, yes, I'm really glad to be here with you all. Um, this is exciting uh, for me. Jason called me about two weeks ago and said, hey, uh, I got a date in mind. Would you come and preach? It'd be really good for the, really good, be good for River City, um, being that we've had a part, you know, to do with you all. And, and I'm excited to be a part of that. Thank you all so much. Uh, if you have given, if you've been a part of the Imagine campaign, would you raise your hand for a second? Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Everybody, let's, let's do this real quick. Um, so a few years ago, I, I'm really close friends. Let me set this up. I'm really close friends with Kim and Greg Greenwood, okay? Uh, and they just know my heart, what I've been wrestling with. And I, I remember I got to this point where the Lord finally just pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And I quit fighting, planting a church. And I remember going to lunch with him and I told him, and he said, I've been waiting for you to say this. And so he got me hooked up with Jason and we went to breakfast one day and I told him about this crazy idea that I had that uh, instead of me just going around this, this trailer park where I was hanging out and building relationships with people that I really wanted to go and just be the church with these people and, and plant a church. And he said, hey, this isn't if it happens, it's when it happens. And so we want to be a part of that. And so we, we walked through some conversation with him and, uh, you know, you guys just sent us out. And so we, we are very appreciative of that. We got $15,000 from the Imagine campaign our first year. And uh, you all have continued to um, bring support to us. And we really appreciate that. Uh, the cool thing is, it's not like we're missionaries that are far away. Not that that's bad. Uh, but we are literally in your all's backyard. Who is familiar with South Dixie? South Dixie is Gene Snyder Freeway and Dixie Highway. Anything south of that is, is uh, called South Dixie. Some people call it deliverance. But anyway, um, some of you are too young to remember that. But uh, anyway, it's kind of a scary place sometimes, okay? But uh, it's a great place. So we got to build connections, and, and uh, we were serving in this trailer park, and we rented out uh, their facility. That was just what we wanted to do. But in, in the early process, we broke every rule that the ex experts would say we need to do. We need to get this team together. We need to go to conferences. We need to, you know, go through these spiritual tests and all these things. So I gathered this small handful of people and we started meeting over at my friend Morgan and Robin's living room and just, you know, two or three families, couple single people. And, and Hey, this is where we feel like the Lord's leading us. And we're going we're gonna to learn about discipleship and we're going to talk about this plan and we're going to get organized and we're going to build momentum and, and we're going to launch on Easter Sunday of 2013 until someday uh, someone had this brilliant idea in the living room. kind of raised their hand and said, hey, I got an idea. Why do we, you know, why don't, why do we wait? Why don't we just go ahead and, and just do it? I said, that's brilliant. So I called the management over at the trailer park and said, hey, um, can we just go ahead and start renting? written out the, uh, the office and start having services in there? And he said, absolutely. So we had a handful of people, maybe, you know, I don't know, 14, 15 people, you know, on, on a Sunday morning and, and uh, started doing uh, house church. And uh, it was amazing. Uh, next thing you know, we outgrew the place. And uh, now we have moved over to the VFW on Blevins Gap and Dixie Highway. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not even just the number. Um, we're a church of 50, 60 people, but we're mainly new believers. And in a, in a period of uh, two and a half years, we've seen over 20 people baptized in the faith. And so that's just really something to, to be excited about. We're, uh, we're mainly a congregation of, of new believers. And, you know, I was uh, telling this story uh, to someone the other day. He said, hey, I know you playing at this church. How's it going? And, you know, pretty good. And he said, so what kind of numbers are y'all running? How big is your church? I said, yeah, about 50 or 60 people. And the, and the guy said, that's not that bad. I said, what do you mean it's not that bad? It's great. You know, if I would have told him 500, he would have been, oh, man, that's great. That's awesome. 
And the reason why he wasn't impressed is because he got stuck on the number. But not the number doesn't always tell the story. Our friends Morgan and Robin were here at the first service. They planted with us. Um, we were friends with them before I planted the church. And when I knew I was going to launch this, they were the first family that I wanted to talk with. And I took them out to Chili's for lunch. And uh, when Morgan went to the restroom, I looked at Robin and said, there, we have something we want to talk to you about. And she said, I, I knew that. I told Morgan when we pulled in, there's an agenda to this lunch meeting. And he said, we're not going to commit to anything until we talk about it and we pray about it, you know. And as soon as he sat down, I said, hey, man, I just want to get to this here. I really feel like the Lord's calling me to plant a church in Autumn Lake. And he said, let's do it. High five right here. And we never, we never looked back. And there's a, a really neat story. As we were going through the process of planting, um, we were coming here. Um, we, were, we were worshiping with you all. And uh, it was great. It was great for our family. And you all do a fast every January. And that's when we were putting our team together, uh, January of 2013. We started doing the fast with you. And uh, Morgan is, was a gambling addict. Uh, when I say he's a gambling addict, he's not a guy that would go to the track on occasion. Uh, Morgan went to the boat when he was sad. He went to the boat when he was happy. He went to the boat when he was bored. And he was that guy that you hated standing behind in Speedway. You know what I mean? He wouldn't buy a lottery ticket. He would buy all the lottery tickets. And so, you know, while she's peeling them off, he's still scratching away. And uh, it got his family in a lot of financial difficulty. But he loved the Lord. And he was really, he really wanted the Lord to be glorified in his life. And so through the fast, Morgan was praying about um, his gambling addiction. And uh, there was one night he came down here uh, on the Wednesday night. You know the Wednesday night gatherings? Everybody comes here starving, right? You're hungry. Yeah, you know, every, you got a room full of desperate people in here. And so he came down here and he really prayed with someone about it. And I'll tell you, uh, the Lord has delivered him from his gambling addiction. And he is three years, three years from removed. And I'll tell you what, that has absolutely changed his marriage. It's made his marriage better. It's made him a better leader within the church. And it's just changed his life. And now instead of going and spending $100 on lottery tickets, I mean, who does that, right? $100 on scratch-off tickets, he'll take three or four families out to lunch after dinner and pay for it because now he has money to be generous with. It's not about him anymore. So the numbers doesn't tell the story. But if you've given to imagine, listen, there's a, there's a small church that meets about two miles away. And every Sunday morning we gather and we set up chairs and people are coming to faith in the Lord. And you all have been used to be a part of that. And so I thank you for that. Thank you for being a part of that. And hopefully one day, I'm, I'm really serious, like, I, I want us to have an Imagine campaign as well. I think that would be awesome for us to raise some money and just uh, give it away. But the numbers don't tell the story. They're just a measuring tool. And so thank you for being a part of that. Um, I, I will say it's, it's been too long since I've been here and preached. And, uh, you know, I found out this week that I was kind of the last man, I guess. Uh, Corey was expecting his baby. Jason's going to be out of town. So somebody had a brilliant idea why don't we just call David Kennedy? So it's good to know that I was the, I'm the Hail Mary, you know? So it made me feel really good. But I was intimidated to come here this morning. I will say that. There's something about coming here. This is the land of the pretty people. Uh, and I'm serious. Like when I come here, I feel like everybody's styling, you know? I joked about that the first time. John's up here in his skinny jeans and his boots and everything. And everybody's got, everybody's got cool haircuts, you know? So I just got a part put in yesterday. And so, uh, it, you know, I, you're laughing, but it's true, okay? Um, yeah, it's true. And so uh, I even bought a new vest. But anyway, um, no more jeans and t-shirts for me. And so I just felt intimidated. 
And it's really weird that, like, should that even matter? What is it about clothing, right? Our outward appearance carries so much weight. And you can say it doesn't, but it does. I did a little research on the internet because everything on the internet is true. And uh, I was thinking about uh, clothing and our image. What do I need to look like when I come to River City? In the United States alone, the clothing industry is a $250, $250 billion industry. $250 billion. And when you think about clothing, it's interesting that just the feelings that our, clothing's, that our clothing evokes in us, right? Status, importance, right? When you, you, know, you feel good, you look good, you know, all that other stuff. But it feels good to wear a suit. But when you see somebody that's dressed up, what do you think? They're pretty important. They're well-to-do, right? Listen, rarely do I dress up. I'm, I'm all about a band t-shirt and some tore-up jeans, okay? But when I, go to co- when I go to the coffee shop over here on Woodline, and I'll meet with Morgan, and Morgan is not a dress-up guy, and our worship pastor, who's a hipster, if I'm hanging out with them and I'm talking about some ministry opportunities that we have, things that we're doing, and, and I'm being the pastor, I'm being a leader, and when I'm sitting at the table having coffee with him, in comes my friend Todd Robertson. He's a pastor over here at Antioch Church down the street. And he comes in. Todd looks like a pastor. Okay? He's got his wireframe glasses, really nice expensive shirt. He shops at Macy's. Okay? When he comes in and sits down at the table with us, who does everybody think's in charge? Everybody thinks Todd is. Todd's not my boss. You know what I mean? I'm probably a better preacher than Todd. But here's the whole, here's the whole thing. Like everybody's just going to assume that because the way he looks. So let me ask you this. If you could dress, if you could choose your wardrobe, how would you dress? Because here's here's the thing. You can say, oh, I just wear jeans and a t-shirt. No, you wouldn't. Here's the whole thing. You dress according to your pocketbook. You don't dress according to your preference, right? If you want a suit, but you can only afford dockers and a polo shirt, hey, that's how you'll dress up. You'll buy what you can afford, right? But we dress according to our pocket. We have this idea of how we want to dress because clothing matters. My parents launched out with us, and they were the least visionary people on the planet, and they're old school, right? But my mom is old school. She threw a fit when she learned that I preached in blue jeans. And when, when I wore shorts, I thought she was going to die, okay? She's just so against that because that's not how you're supposed to be when you're at church. And so she had a fact. My dad even said, hey, what's wrong with you? You need to buy the book Dress for Success. I'm like, there's a book called Dress for Success? So I've done the research. Yes, in 1985, John Malloy wrote a book called Dress for Success. And this has actually just become a franchise. So many books have been spurred from that. It's all about business, creating this image, because we know so much is put into our outward appearance. I read something profound from Stacia Pierce. She's the CEO of Ultimate Lifestyle Enterprises. And she says, we have all heard the familiar saying, dress for success. But what does dressing for success really entail? In a business setting, your appearance matters. Your image educates others on how you want to be approached. Every time you go out, you reflect an image that tells others how to treat you. They are sizing you up and making an assumption of what you do for a living your income level, and your current level of, of success in life based solely on your appearance. I don't know about you all, but this is exhausting. Sometimes it can be so hard just worrying about something so fleeting as style. 
Is all this attention of outward appearance, is it worth any merit? Personally, this makes our spiritual life seem all that more attractive, doesn't it? When you don't have to worry about the outward appearance. When we set out to plant the church, we were adamant that we would not make a big deal about clothing. We planted a a church in the middle of one of the poorest neighborhoods in Louisville. And I have a heart for this neighborhood. But when I talk to people, it's crazy that, that church clothes is still a big deal. And I tell people, there are no such thing as church clothes. Like you can't go, you can't go inside Macy's and say, oh, can you, you know, I'm here to get some church clothes. Where can I get some church clothes? I need some pajamas and church clothes. Where are they going to send you? They're going to send you to the suit and ties, right? That's where they're going to send you. But when we planted this, we would say, hey, we're not worried about the outward appearance. We don't want that to stifle anybody. If you want to come style in here, that's fine. But here's the thing, it's, it's not the main thing. And so I told my mom, hey, when you come to service on Sunday, I really don't want you wearing the fur coat, okay? Please don't wear the fur coat. Dad, drive your Ford Ranger, not the Lincoln Town Car, okay? It's really not that important. My friend Morgan that I mentioned a few minutes ago, he worked at a chemical plant. So he would be dirty six days a week. And on Sunday, he liked to put on his dockers and a shirt and tie. And I said, hey, bro, I don't want you to wear your shirt and tie. I want you to give it up because it might be a stumbling block for somebody. I don't want them to feel like they have to do this when they come in. So I'm sitting here trying to figure this out and thinking, hey, I'm going to be a good guy by planting a church in a neighborhood where people don't have church clothes and, and say, come as you are. It's all about coming as you are. And so we had, our, we had an Easter egg hunt. And man, I mean, just hundreds of people were out in the parking lot at the trailer park. And we've got volunteers everywhere. And I just did my little preacherly duties. And I stood up and I just said, hey, um, if you don't have anywhere to go worship tomorrow for Easter Coming over to the VFW and come as you are. It, you wear what you got on right now and it's fine. And uh, this, this gentleman came up to me and said, hey, I really appreciate all that you're doing around here, man. But I got to tell you, you know, I kind of have an issue with what you said. Um, I, don't, I don't know if people should really come as they are. I, I come from the, the line of thought that says you should wear your Sunday best when you come to church. And I was offended. And I'm like, well, hey, bro, if you're so offended, take your kids home and don't participate in our Easter egg hunt, Okay. You go home. You put your suit on and go somewhere else, right? Don't tell me, bro. You know, anyway. um, I get worked up just talking about it. And I was so offended by that. But should I have been? Because I love reading 2 Samuel chapter 16. And some of you all know this. When God had enough of Saul, he knew he was going to anoint David as the next king of Israel. And so he sent the prophet Samuel to go anoint him. And something happened in that experience where all David's brothers were lining up and he was looking at them, figuring out who's going to be the one that I'm going to anoint. And when he looks at the brothers, he's big and warrior, probably handsome and good looking and muscular. He looks the role. And something happened. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Doesn't that just give us encouragement this morning? The Lord doesn't look at our outward appearance. He looks at our heart. Listen, I hang on to that. I love this scripture. We hang on to it. We remind religious people of this, right? But then there's something. I like had this epiphany. I was reading Galatians chapter 3. If you got your smartphones, your Bible, just go ahead and turn there real quick. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 27. 
And why do it? Let me set you up. The Apostle Paul was, he didn't grow up Jewish, and he was preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. The people didn't have the Jewish background. And as people were coming to Jesus and they were growing in their faith with him, a group of people called the Judaizers were trying to bring in religious traditions, trying to bring in some of the, some of the law, and they were trying to make this a little more religious. Maybe it would feel better if we started adding some traditions, making things a little bit better. It's going to have a more of a religious feel. It's going to seem better, particularly all the, everything surrounding circumcision. And he was so frustrated with this church that they were turning and they were trying to add outward things to the gospel. And he said, there is no other gospel. We're only saved by grace through faith in Christ. Okay? It's not about adding to it. And so I want you to turn to this chapter. We're just going to just look at this just for a little bit because this can, can get us kind of confused. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Wait a second. Does this make any sense? Paul is clearly talking about the outward appearance. Is the Bible contradicting itself? Why is Paul talking about clothing? The first thing we have to do is look at this, and, and the writer says, in Christ. What does that mean if we are in Christ? Ken Bowles says, this shows the grand scope of the believer's whole existence. To be in Christ is to be in his body, united with his people and indwelt by his spirit. Thus we might say, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. This makes sense. But what about the clothing part? To put it in perspective, in Christian baptism, the believers clothe themselves with Christ. They will not stand before God in the filthy rags of their own attempts at goodness but in the whole robes of the righteousness of Christ. Somebody can say amen on that. No longer do we have to stand in the filthy rags of our own junk. Paul is not saying that our clothing saves us. This has nothing to do with our salvation. Our outward appearance does not save us. Your outward attempts to impress God will not save do it. Your religious activity will not do it. You speak Christianese, it ain't going to work. You can come here every Sunday. You can put on your Sunday best. You are not going to impress God with that. He reads right through it because you know what? He don't look on the outward appearance. He knows what's in your heart. You can fake the funk all day, but you ain't fooling him. And that's what he's saying. What does that mean? If you think that you can earn God by dressing up and wearing your Sunday best, then listen, you are demeaning the cross. We understand that. But if, if you take notes and, and you got your smartphone, I want you to jot this down. Here's why this is important. Because when we are in Christ, our outward appearance changes. When we are in Christ, our outward appearance changes. Our outward appearance should be the reflection of our inward reality. We should have a glow about us as believers. You should have a glow. I have five kids. I need prayer. Okay? I need prayer. What are you clapping for? I have five kids. I have kids. I took, I took one in a few years ago, and we had six kids living in our house with one bathroom, and it was murder. Okay? 
But I love my children. And one thing about, about parenthood that I love the most is the glow that my wife would have when she was pregnant. Fellas, you know that, right? When your wife's pregnant, hey, she's beautiful. And ladies, you don't feel beautiful when you're pregnant, right? But here's the thing. While you don't feel beautiful, on the outside, you're beautiful to us because of that inward reality. That there's that connection, that emotional connection, the physical connection that you're, you're carrying our child. In. You look beautiful because of that. And, that, and it shows. And the same thing, fellas, when, when your wife accuses you that all of this is your fault when she's pregnant, right? When she reminds you of that and she's screaming at you and she's in the hospital, this is your fault. It's, listen, that is the inward reality, okay? Someone is kicking her. Her body is changing. And so on the outside, it's going to reflect on what's going on on the inside. That's what Paul's talking about. It has nothing to do with our salvation. It has everything of being shown on the outside. The fundamental issue is this, what is on the outside, what is on the inside is shown on the outside. There's a connection. When we put on Christ, we change our wardrobe. As one scholar puts it, it the scholar says it is a clothing oneself. For the people that really like to get into biblical translation, the middle voice implies a conscious and responsible act. For us to put on Christ, this is something that we do. The sign is spoken of as comprising the underlining reality which it symbolizes. In all reality, folks, we all wear the same clothes. As believers, we all have the same outfit on. You may not have a cool vest like this, but you still look the same. You haven't watched Scooby-Doo in 15 years. What color shirt does Shaggy wear? He wears a green shirt. Everybody, my man's got some everyday clothes, right? You can count on what he looks like. When we are in Christ, we are to look a certain way. And so we, we go through a wardrobe change. Not only does he change us from the inside, but it reflects on the outside. One scholar says, because it is a self-clothing with the one Christ, it is also a becoming one in Christ on the part of all who share the experience. So practically, what does it look like in your own life right now? If this is a responsible, conscious act, the putting on of Christ, I have to ask you today, does your outward appearance reflect your inward reality? Probably not here. I'm sure everybody here is hunky-dory, right? I'm sure everybody here has it figured out. But I think that if we go in and we check, and we check our spiritual closet, if we do an inventory of our outfits, if you want to know if your outward appearance is reflecting the inward reality that Christ is at work in you, I think we could just look in two places. And the first place is this, self-denial. Are you denying yourself? Jesus said something very scandalous. He said in Luke 9, 23, the Bible says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I wonder how many people fled when they heard that. Hey, bro, I just came here for the fish and the bread. That's all I came for. I came here because my friend is paralyzed. He needs healing. You're saying that I have to turn away from myself to follow you? And this, we have to do this daily. So if you want to put on Christ, if you want him to be reflected, then, then listen, we have to take up our cross every day. 
Paul takes this a step further in Romans chapter 13. He says, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to his lusts. We have a tendency to just be who we want to be on our own. You know what I mean? You can say, I don't care. I dress the way I want. I don't care if people like it or not. This is my style. You don't choose your own wardrobe. You choose to follow him, and he changes your wardrobe for you. Because if it was us, fellas, you know, we just do what we want to do. We just go and act like it's no big deal. But our outward appearance has to reflect an inward reality. And if you're making a mental inventory of your spiritual closet, the second way that you can see if, it's, if your outward symbol is reflecting your inward reality is ask yourself, are you participating in mission? God is shown in his church. God is shown in his church, amen? amen. Most of you know the, the, the concept of missionaries, right? If someone's going to Kenya to spread the gospel, what do we do? We send money to them through an organization or they'll come here and they'll, they'll preach a sermon and, and uh, ask to be sent out and ask for some support. They need that. Well, let me tell you something. Whether you're a missionary in Kenya or you're living in Louisville, Kentucky, if you are a believer, you are a missionary. And I don't say that lightly. Here's the deal. We got River City Church, Antioch, Autumn Lake Church. Listen, there's nothing more special that's going on here than it's going on over in the East End. There's no special vision. The mission is this. God has a mission for redeeming the world through Jesus Christ. That's God's mission. And he has a church for his mission. So it's not all just about your own local church. It's about him. The church is the vehicle for the gospel. We are his missionary. We are his sent people. We love the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Behold, I will be with you all, always to the end of the age. We love that. But when it says go, that doesn't mean bring people to church on friend day. That's not what he's saying. That can be translated as you go. As you go about your life as a believer, you disciple people. You are his missionary. And how do people know that you are his missionary? Because you are clothed with Christ. People look at you and they don't say, oh, he's well-to-do because he's got a suit and he probably makes a lot of money. They should look at you and say, oh, that guy is in Christ. There's something about that guy that is different. There's something about her that says she is a believer. You know what I'm saying. You may think, hey, this doesn't apply to me. Have you partied with somebody? Five no, no, we don't have party people here, right? You partied with somebody five years ago. You ran into them at Kroger, and they start talking about their family, how they're walking with Jesus and stuff, and you're like, oh, my gosh, who is that dude? Man? He is so different because it's written all over their face. You've seen somebody down and out? They look down and out, right? When someone is in Christ, it should be reflected on the outside. And that's what Paul's saying. There is no other gospel. And for those of you that are in Christ, if, listen, if this is all about your whole life, it's going to be reflected to the world. Is that happening with you today? Are you on mission for him? No more of this Lone Ranger stuff. Oh, you know, I believe. I went to church. I said this prayer. I'm good. You know, I go to church every now and then. It's a, it's a whole life thing. 
and you're a missionary? Are you on mission for him? Not even staff on a local church. How are you living for him? Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This life in Christ is outwardly visible. Therefore, our appearance matters. It just doesn't matter for our own glory. It's all for Him. He changes our looks. I was recently thinking, uh, share one little quick story. Um, as we've been growing on Super Bowl Sunday one year ago, Vince and Adrian uh, came to service as a guest with, with someone. He came to my house that evening for Super Bowl party, got sick because of our cat. I felt so bad. I thought, man, I'll never see that guy again. And he's never left. And this summer, his wife got baptized. They were our second wedding we got to celebrate. Uh, her sister started connecting with us. They're in our community group, right? All these cool things started happening. And then finally, because something clicked, right, with their neighbor. And so their neighbor, Tabitha, connected with us. She's going through a separation with her husband. So kind of like a lot of people, they start seeking the Lord, right, when, when, when they're down and out. And so she started coming. And, and her husband's living in, in Jeffersonville, Indiana. And you know how it is, fellas. Desperate times call for def desperate measures. If you want to come back home to mama, you'll go to church, right? So my man Andy starts coming. And he exposes himself to the gospel. And I baptized him a month ago. And let me tell you, powerful. When you pull a grown man out of the water and he's crying. You know what I mean? life change and now this man is visible his Facebook is all about Jesus it's kind of weird right but there's this change he's outwardly a different person and that gives us hope you know we don't have to dress up and come to church because that's our religious duties but you know what our outward appearance changes and we just look better because of what he's doing on the on the inside and you know what that's what makes Christianity appealing to people who don't know him some of, you, some of you today, you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but you've been wrestling. Hey, quit wrestling on trying to fix things on your own. Let Him work on the inside of you. And the hope is this. Some of you, you don't know where you are with the Lord right now. You're dying for a change. You want things on the outside in your life to get better. I want to encourage you, quit trying to fix it on your own. Quit putting Band-Aids over wounds that need surgery. This is what the Lord does. He fixes you from the inside. The Bible says he will take that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. You cannot fix the outside anymore. When he fixes you on the inside, then the outside starts to come together. Because if you could fix it on your own, you wouldn't need him. So we have hope in, in 2 Corinthians where it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, all things have become new. Maybe you need some newness in your life and I want to call you to that today. As John and his team comes up here to, to sing and lead us in a, in a time of communion, if you need to turn your life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? Let him change your wardrobe today. Hey, turn your buddies in for some Air Maxes today. 
All right, you can change. Some of y'all are too young to know what buddies are. If you if you used to get your sneakers at Kroger, then those are buddies. Okay, but here's the thing: like, you want some outward change in your life? Let Him work on you from the inside. I invite you to give your life to Christ today. Would you pray with someone and make that decision? Let's pray.